Uh, the last couple weeks we've been going through um, our series called Seven, and we've been going through Matthew chapter seven. Yeah, okay. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, we're going through Matthew chapter seven. Now, Matthew chapter seven is really the tail end of one of Jesus' most famous talks, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. You've probably heard that before if you've been in church for any amount of time um, in your life, or if you've been here for the last couple weeks, you've heard that. But it's the tail end of his, one of his most famous talks, the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and Jesus was a religious leader, but he did not gravitate towards religious people. All right? Jesus, he was a religious leader, but he didn't grav- gravitate towards religious people. Actually, it's kind of the opposite of what we might think. I mean, we would think, well, if God came down and hung out on earth for, you know, 30-something years, you, we would think that, you know, he'd be with all the, the pastors and all the top, like, the top people, the, you know, evangelists and all those people, the, the top religious people in our, in our world. But that's not the case. Uh, in fact, Jesus and many of the religious people of that day, they butt heads with each other. They, they had issues with each other because a lot of the things that Jesus had to say, the religious people did not appreciate. And Jesus, he was sent from God, but he spent his time with people who were not considered godly. I mean, from their own mouths, they would say that. They didn't even consider themselves as godly people. Uh, and, and people who were nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus, and, uh, and he liked them back. And uh, whenever Jesus was out, crowds would form around him because uh, of these non-religious people because everybody wants to, wants to hear what this Jesus guy is going to say next and they want to see what he's going to do next. And so um, that actually happened on this day that Jesus gives this talk. Uh, he's out near the Sea of Galilee, kind of in the countryside, and, and this crowd of, of some religious but also a lot of non-religious people kind of gather around him to see what's going on. And, and he walks up on top of this hill and sits down in the grass and just begins to teach, just begins to talk to them, just spending time with these people. And a lot of things that Jesus had to say were really completely countercultural. Um, what Jesus would do is he'd say, okay, yeah, you think this about God, and you think you know what's right, and he'd take that, okay, flip that upside down, this is what's right. He took what these people thought they knew about God, and he would turn it upside down, and, and really, that's one of the reasons why these religious people did not appreciate him or did not like Jesus. And uh, today, we're going to look at one of these things that he had to say that, in all honesty, I'll be honest with you, uh, kind of freaks me out, all right? It's, it's, uh, it's kind of scary what Jesus had to say, and I think it's important for us to look at, and a lot of people kind of skim over this part. But, uh, but we're going to look at it this morning, and remember that it's here at the end of his talk. I think what Jesus is trying to do, I think he's trying to, uh, he's trying to push people to make a decision on him. And I'm sure for the people that are sitting there, it kind of freaks them out too, and I think that's what Jesus is going for. I think that's, that's one of his purposes. Remember a month and a half ago or so, we talked about worry and what Jesus had to say about worrying, how, how God will provide for us. And, and then right after that, he starts talking about judging. We looked at that two weeks ago when we started this series in Matthew chapter 7. He talks about judging and how we are to judge, but also how we are not to judge in, in the right way uh, to judge others. And then last week, 
We looked at how Jesus is uh, talking about how kind of prayer and, and generosity kind of coupled together and how God is extremely generous to us, but we a lot of times find it hard to be generous towards others. And then this morning, uh, we're going to look at where he kind of, remember, he's wrapping up his talk. He's done with the prayer thing. He's done with, with kind of calling people out in a sense, and he gives us three uh, illustrations and he says, okay, there's, picture this, there's, there's two roads. You got, you got a narrow road and a wide road. And he says, there, there's two different kinds of people. You got, you got my sheep and then you got actually wolves, but they look like sheep. Hey, there's, there's two different uh, kinds of people. You got, there, there's two different kinds of trees. You got, you got good trees that produce good fruit. That makes sense. And you got bad trees that produce bad fruit. And really, each one of these illustrations and these examples that Jesus gives us, he's showing us the same thing, and that's the difference between true and false uh, Christians. And I think what he is talking to these people, what he's saying to these people, is he's giving a warning, saying, hey, there's a lot of Christians uh, that look like they're on the right path on the outside. Everything looks good. They're following God. They, you know, they're, they're doing what God wants them to do. Um, but they will hear the most terrifying and, and unexpected news ever. Someday in the future. And, uh, and this is how he starts off. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through there. There's many. Right? He says, How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So he starts off, he's like, Hey, this, this road thing, there's, there's two roads. All right, actually, there's two gates, and there's a, there's a narrow gate, and there's a wide gate, and there's two roads that lead to that gate. There's a, there's a narrow road, and there's a wide road, and the narrow road leads to life, but only a few people find it. And then there's a wide road that leads to destruction, and there's a whole bunch of people who find that. He says there's, there's many people. And I think one thing that Jesus wants us to understand, one thing he, he wants this crowd to understand, is that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you're at in your life, it doesn't matter what situations you've gone through, it doesn't matter, it, none of that matters. He's saying every single one of us, we're on a road. We're on the road. The only question is we need to figure out kind of what road are we on. Are we on the wide road or are we on the, the narrow road? Last summer, I was in California for a conference, and we were kind of up in the mountains, and I decided uh, we, we were going to rent a truck. So we rented a, a small truck, and um, there was at one time during the week that I had like four to five hours just to kill. I didn't really have anything to do, and so I, I near there, about 30 minutes from where I was, there was a, uh, it was actually the, the spot where they first discovered gold for the California Gold Rush. It's called Sutter's Mill in case any of you guys even care about that. And so I was like, you know, it's about 30 minutes away. I'm just going to go check it out, all right? Maybe I'll hit gold, you know, maybe I'll get lucky. I don't know. Um, and so I go and, and uh, I drive there, and there, I'll be honest, there wasn't really much to see, and it was super hot out. And I, so I kind of walked around, read some signs, and that was about it. And, uh, and as I'm getting ready to head back, I look up, and there's this, like, little dirt road that I could see that goes up this, like, this, this mountain. And I'm like, well, I got a truck. I got some time. I'm going to go check it out. And so um, I start on this road, and it starts off as kind of a two-lane road. You go over a bridge, and there's a two-lane road, and it's all good. And then it starts getting super narrow, all right? The farther up I get, the more narrower this dirt road gets. And, uh, and at some parts, and on, on one side of my, I'm, I'm going up this road. On one side is this, like, rock 
you know, face that I'm trying not to scrape the mirror off on because um, this road's super narrow, and it's like kind of cutting the mountain. And on the other side is like, uh, is like an 80-foot cliff, okay? There's no guardrail. There's no fence. There's nothing. It's just dirt and then air, okay? You get what I'm saying? You can see the tops of trees down there. And so I'm, I'm driving up this thing, and it's super skinny. It's kind of starting to freak me out a little bit. I, uh, I have to open up the door a couple times just to make sure, just to see how much, like, clearance I have from, from the air to my tire, you know. And, and there's only, like, a few inches. And, but I'm making my way up slowly. I'm going slow. Everything seems to be going so well. And I get to the top, and, and it's nice. And, I, you know, you can see from miles and miles and miles. I can see other mountains. It's, and it was a good view and stuff. And uh, I kind of tool around, tool around up there for a little while. And then I have to go back down, all right. What goes up has to come down, and so I start heading down, and everything's going well. I'm going super slow. At some parts, some place, I would like break, and the truck would keep sliding a little bit, which is a little freaky when it's like death, and uh, on one side, and I, I go and I turn around this, I turn this bend, and there's another truck on the road, and I'm like, oh no, what do I do? And it's this lady who's driving it, and uh, we just like kind of look at each other for, for for a second, for a few seconds, just like, what do you do? You know. I'm the stupid, she's probably thinking I'm the stupid tourist who's like up there, you know, where he doesn't need to be or anything. And uh, so I don't know what to do, right? And I'm already kind of nervous. There's, there's a cliff on one side, and so I'm like, well, I'm the guy, and so I guess I'll put it in reverse. And I remember like three quarters of a mile back, there was like a little turnoff, and maybe I could get back there and back into there, and then she could pass, and I could continue down. And so I start, I put her in reverse, and I start going back, and my tires start spinning because it's dirt, and there's, it's not a four-wheel drive truck, and, and there's no weight in the back. And so um, it's kind of freaking me out because my truck starts sliding sideways, and I'm getting closer and closer to this cliff, and, and you know, my tire's like right there. Long, make a long story short, I finally get to the top, and it takes about 40 minutes to go this like three-quarter of a mile. And it's awkward, and I'm embarrassed because, you know, I got an audience watching me. She's just looking at me, and, and I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm like sweating profusely because I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'm even going to come alive, you know, or stay, be able to, to remain alive or however you say that. And I... I have my hand on the door handle because I'm getting ready to bail just in case this truck starts tipping over. You know, I'm like ready. I'm, I'm freaked out. And I finally get up there, and she finally passes. And you know what my problem was? The road's too narrow. All right, it was an extremely narrow road. And I think, and, and that made it extremely difficult. And I think that's kind of what Jesus is pointing out here. He's like, hey, there's a narrow road that we all want to be on, but that road is not easy. Actually, one of the reasons it's not easy is because it's so narrow. All right, there's roadblocks. There's going to be problems. All right, it's going to feel extremely uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult. And then above all that, he says, it's hard to find. And I think when we read this, I think most of us in here, if if you're like me, um, we automatically think, well, the wide road that's got all the atheists and the partiers, you know what I mean? Like, those are the people, they, they got their issues. And the, easy, or the narrow road, those are all, like, the Christians, like us in here. Like, we're all good. Um, those, are, those are all the really, the really, really, really good people. See, that's what we do. We look at the people around us, and they're messed up, and we all have messed up people around us. Uh, we totally get that because we ourselves are messed up. Everybody is. And, uh, we, you know, we look at them, and we're like, well, I'm not as bad as that person. 
Right, I, I've done way better stuff than that person. I mean, we look at the father who doesn't parent his kids or, doesn't, or maybe he doesn't even see his kids hardly ever. And we think, oh, wide road person right there. He's a wide road guy. Or, or the fellow employee who doesn't work hard and you got to pick up their slack and it's so annoying. And you're just like, wide road, wide road right there. Or when you're waiting in line, or not waiting in line, but when you're in the parking lot at Walmart and you're waiting for somebody to pull out of the parking spot because it's super close to the door and it's, and you're just, you know, you're like, I can't believe I found this. It's like finding gold in a sense. And they're backing up and you're waiting patiently and then they leave and somebody else on the other side comes in and takes a spot. Definitely a wide road person. (laughs) Drives me nuts. That happened to me recently. See, that's not necessarily what Jesus is saying here throughout this talk. He's not saying, hey, the wide road people, those are the people that don't believe in God anyway, and actually, you know, they, they, they don't pursue Christianity, they don't pursue God, they do whatever they want, and some of them are really bad people. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about religious people. Actually, the group of people that he specifically is talking about, a lot of times during this talk, is this group called the Pharisees. And again, if you've been in church for any m- amount of time, you've heard of this, this word, or have you heard of these group of people, the Pharisees? These guys were like varsity when it came to religion. I mean, when it came to God, they were like on varsity. These guys, like Wyatt was talking about the Torah, these guys had the first five books of the Torah memorized in their minds. I mean, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, right? They had, I'm missing one, Genesis, Exodus. Numbers, yeah, all right? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna miss one, that's the one, okay? Some of those books, like numbers, it's difficult to even read through them. Right? They're the boring books of the Bible, right? I mean, I mean, they had these books memorized. These Pharisees, these guys, these religious people, they had religion down. Right? They had the rules down. Actually, they made rules so they didn't even come close to following to, to breaking God's rules. And so these guys lived their life in a sense perfectly. From the outside, they had everything set. These people were more religious than we could ever hope to be. And Jesus is saying that there is a wide, easy, religious road that leads to this real place called hell. And it consists of praying a prayer, going through rituals, checking that religion box off in our minds, getting baptized, maybe saying the rosary so many times, you know, every tradition does it differently, but doing all this stuff, and but at the end of the day, we think we get a free pass to heaven. We think we don't have to take God seriously, really, in our lives, because in all honesty, he's, he's already, you know, we've done all this good stuff that makes up for it. All we have to do is just believe in him, and we're, and we're good. And he says, there are so many on this wide road. He doesn't say there's a couple, there's a few. He says, actually, there's many. Way more people on this road than there are on the narrow road. And by the way, he's not saying, hey, those um, that are on the wide road are from the non-believing world. Those are the atheists and the agnostics and, and you know, that, that many of those, you know, are on the wide That's not what he's saying. He's saying there are so many from the believing world. There's so many religious people who go to church every week, 
who think that they're good to go, that they got their boxes set, who have their, their checked, and who has, have their resumes set. See, there's many religious people that, that believe in God that will think they're good but never actually started that relationship with him. And they think they're on the narrow road, but that's actually not true. The truth is they're on the wide road with everyone else. He gives a second illustration. He says this in the next verse. He said, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. He says, you will recognize them by their fruit. Now, this verse should look somewhat familiar. We looked at this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about judging. God's saying, hey, you got to make a judgment call. you got to look at the way that these people live their life. He's saying, these people that look good on the outside, these guys are really, really, really good with their words. Right? They know how to talk about God. They know how to speak rightly about God. And Jesus isn't necessarily the necessarily saying that these guys, that the words are wrong, that what they say is, is completely wrong. What Jesus is saying is that what they say does not match who they really are on the inside. It's a, it's a heart issue. What is on the outside does not match what is on the inside in their life. And he's saying, and it's going to be really, really, really hard to tell. Everything sounds good. They look like normal sheep, right? They, they, uh, on the outside, everything looks great. But on the inside, they are so far from God. Then he gives a third example, illustration. He says, in the same way, every good tree produces good fruit. But a bad tree produces bad fruit. Now, if you're from, like, Green Springs, like, like me, and you live out in the sticks, you're looking at that, you're like, that's true, right? All right? He says a good tree can't produce bad fruit, but neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. All right? Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. All right? Obviously, he's not talking about trees here. He's saying, hey, there's good trees and there's bad trees, and they look identical. They look the same, and it's very hard to tell who is a good tree, and it's very hard to tell who is a bad tree, but there is one way that you can tell, and he's like, all you have to do is you need to look at their fruit. He says, you could judge whether someone has a relationship with God based on their fruit, and when he says fruit, what he's saying is by the way that they live their life, by the way that they act. He's saying you should be able to see God in their life. And if you can't, that is a good indication that that is a bad tree. Really, it should remind us, and and what should kind of pop up in your mind is we should be kind of analyzing ourselves and go, you know, if we think we're a Christian and we think we have that relationship with God, we're all good with God because God's, you know, a, a good guy. And the question that we should be asking ourselves, can people in our life, can they see the way that we live our life, and do they know that we have a relationship with God? Do they stand out? Do we stand out? Right? Can people at work, do they know that there's something different about you, that you have a relationship with God because the way that you live your life is different than everybody else? Or can people at school Right? Do they know that you truly have a relationship with God because you just you act differently because of the way that you act? 
or the people in your family, do they know that you have a relationship with God? Not because you told them, right? That's what these, you know, sheep, you know, they, they look, right? But because the way that you treat them, do people know? Can they see God in your life? By the way, just to clarify, I'm not saying that we get to heaven or get saved by doing a bunch of good stuff, okay? That's exactly opposite of what the Bible says. Um, it's not by being a good person or going to church or giving to chari- charity or, or being baptized or taking communion, by the way, which a lot of churches teach, and that's completely opposite of what the New Testament tells us than what Jesus tells us. It's not about serving in church. And he actually explains this in this last part in verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Okay. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? They're going to say, hey, Lord, Lord, and it's used twice here, and really that shows a a, uh, emotional connection with God. These people, they have an emotional connection with God. They have respect for God. And he's saying, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we have this respect, we have this emotional connection. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? And then I'll announce to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Can you imagine this scene? Does this freak you out? A little bit? Doesn't this freak you out a little bit? Okay, well, it freaks me out a lot. I'm like, whoa, these are some hard words that Jesus is saying here. Can you imagine this scene? Do you guys realize that every single one of us in here will be going through that? We don't think about that a lot. We don't think about God. We, we love to think about how God is a loving God, and he is. He loves us more than anything we could ever imagine. We love to think about that. We don't like to think about God as a judging God. We are all going to be here. This is a day in the future that every single one of us will experience. And nobody in this room has the ability to get out of it. Okay, No one on earth. Every single person that has ever lived, every single person that is living now, every single person who's going to live in the future will all be there for this day. It's coming for us all. And most people, and probably, you know, let's be honest with the percentages, there's people in this room that will be standing before God and will think, will fully believe that they are safe. They're gonna, they will think that, that their relationship with God is, it's good enough. Yeah, not perfect, but, you know, I've done some things, but it's not that bad. And we're going to think that we're all good. We're going to think everything's fine for us, and this, this, this will be really a good thing. And these people, they believe in God. They're cool with God. They, they recognize Jesus as God again. They're saying, Lord, Lord. They, they have this uh, connection with God. They, they believe he exists, and they do a bunch of good stuff. And these are good people, people that we know, family, friends, some of us. They have impressive resumes. Right, Jesus, he, he lists out some things. He's like, they're going to say to me, hey, you know, did we prophesy or we, we drove out demons in your name? We did miracles. 
He's, he's saying, hey, they're going to do all this really good stuff. I don't know about you. I've never done any of those things. Um, those are, he's making the point. He's like, these people are going to be able to say, hey, I did some really, really, really good things, better things than any, any one of us in this room have ever done. He's like, and, and they're going to say, hey, I did this good stuff. And even though they were good people, and even though they did good things, God still says, I never knew you. God says, hey, I hear what you're saying, but we don't have that relationship. I want that relationship. I wanted that relationship. I was calling you. I, I, I wanted you to come to me to surrender your whole life to me, but you didn't do it. You chose not to have that relationship with me. And a lot of times, by the way, we choose not to have that relationship with God by putting it off, right? We have good intentions. It's like, yeah, someday I'll figure that out. And we just put it off. When we do that, we are making the decision, at least for the time being. See, these people are in complete surprise. They can't believe it. They, they thought everything w was good. They're saying, Lord, Lord, I went to church every week. I went on mission trips. I gave to the church. I served in the church. I was, you know, a really nice person. I love everybody. It, it's, it's amazing to me when I talk to people. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, a lot of times I'm asking people, you know, how, how do you know God's going to, you know, how do you know you're going to heaven? You know, we all want to go to heaven. That sounds like a good place. And, and a lot of times people will say, well, I love everybody. And I'm like, no, you don't. You know yourself. You know, I'm like, none of us do that. You love everybody every moment. No, there's no way. And these people are like, I was baptized. I prayed to you. I read the Bible every day. I was a, really an above average religious person. And, and God, you should take a look at my resume because my resume is uh, pretty good. I know so much about you. And really, you know, that's what we do, right? We, we make this resume up kind of in our minds and we list out all this good stuff. And we say, hey, look at all this good stuff that I've done. This is my resume right here, Lord, and check it out. That's pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. I know so much about you. See, we forget that it's not about knowing about God. It's about knowing God. See, these people, they never truly had a real relationship with God, not a real one. And they've tricked themselves into thinking that everything is all good, but it's not. See, having a good resume doesn't get you to heaven. Having a good resume, that does not mean you have a relationship with God. Actually, that's kind of what we do. Um, we, we tend to add Jesus to our resume. We have all these things that we, we say we've done and, and the way that we act, and, and we're like, oh, yeah, and throw Jesus in there. You know, I put my trust in baptism or communion or church attendance, and I'm a really good person, especially at work or especially in my family. And, and oh, yeah, and Jesus don't forget Jesus. I believe he died, and he died on the cross, and Jesus was a good guy, and he had some good things to say, and I've read the Bible. And, 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 and Jesus is like, no, it's not about that. So a lot of other churches teach. They say, hey, yeah, believe in Jesus and this. Put your, put your faith in Jesus and baptism, or put your faith in Jesus and communion, or put your faith in Jesus, and, and you got to do this thing. And Jesus is like, no, that's not it. See, there's people on both roads, people on both roads think they're going to heaven, 
People on both roads think they got that relationship with God. There are people wearing sheep's clothing, and the people are wearing, who are wolves wearing sheep's clothing, and the people who are sheep, they, they, they all think they got that relationship with God. They all look good on the outside. Both trees, they look identical. They're not going to the same place. It'd be like this. Um, let's say before we got married, uh, I went to Kate and I said, hey, um, I'll marry you if you uh, do some things for me. There's some things in my life that I would like to, that I would like to have done or have accomplished and, and, uh, and, or my lifestyle. And I'd say, hey, um, I'll marry you, but you got to do a couple, you got to do a few things for me. I want the house clean okay, all the time, all right? Uh, I want a family, so I want some kids some, someday, and, uh, and I want dinner on the table every time I come home, all right? Those three things, you give me those three things, I'll marry you, it'll all be good. And she turns around, she says, okay, I'll do those three things for you if you do something for me. Um, I want you home by 6 p.m. every night so we can eat together as a family. I'm going to need a couple hundred bucks every week so I can get the clothes that I want and, and, and get the food that I want. And, um, and, you know, once in a while when life is getting really out of control and, and I'm an emotional wreck, you know, not saying that she gets that way sometimes. <laughs> Not saying she doesn't either, but, um, you know, I want flowers once in a while. All right, if you could do those three things for me, then I will do those three things for you. That's not a marriage. All right, we get that. That's not, that's not a relationship. It's not like we're making a deal. That's kind of how we treat God. It's almost like, hey, God, let's make a deal. I'll do this really good stuff for you. And then you give me that get out of hell free card because that's what I want. Now, that's how we treat God. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go to church and I'll fulfill my obligation at church and do this and do that. And I'll be nice to everybody even though I don't want to. And this person drives me crazy. And I'll be nice to them. But, uh, but I want that card. You know, that's how we treat God. That's not a relationship. That is the definition of religion. I'll do all this, you give me this. See, that's what religion is. And it's because of that thinking that there are millions of good people in hell. And that there are millions of people sitting in churches around the world this very morning, at this moment, who are on the wrong road. Those people haven't surrendered their whole life to Jesus. See, one thing that we're really good at doing, we're all good at doing this, it's like, I'm, we're really good at surrendering, surrendering parts of our life, right? Where it's like, yeah, God, um, I like you. I, I'll give you, you know, you can have this part of my life and this part and this part and this part, but I'm holding on to these parts. These are mine. I don't want you, I don't want you even close to this. I want control. See, we give God just parts of our life, and we hold on parts. We surrender to God, sure, but it's only just a part. We don't surrender our whole life to him. It'd be, again, it's kind of like marriage in a different sense. It's, you know, there's 168 hours, 168 hours in a week. And uh, what if a husband went to his wife and said, hey, I will be married to you 166 hours every week, but two hours I get to be single. And do whatever he wants, right? That's not remaining faithful, right? We wouldn't call him a, a faithful husband to his wife. But that's exactly what we do to God. 
It's like, God, I'll give you 166 parts, but I'm keeping two parts to myself because I want control and because I'm, I'm not ready to, to surrender this to you. See, if Jesus is not Lord of all of your life, then Jesus isn't Lord at all in your life. If Jesus is not Lord of all in your life, then he is not Lord at all in your life. And so my question to you this morning and and to all of us is are you 100% sure that you're on the narrow road? Are you 100% sure that you are one of the sheep? Are you 100% sure that you are the good tree? I mean, do you know that 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 if you were to get in a wreck after we left this building after service and died, and you're facing this scene that Jesus describes for us, do you know which person you'd be? Are you 100% sure that you have that relationship with him? See, there are a huge amount of assured Christians out there. And the Bible says all you have to do is ask for it. All we have to do to start that relationship in our life is to ask him, invite him to be a part of our life, invite him into our life, and choose, and this is the hard part, choose to give him our whole life, not just parts, our whole life to him. Not that we'll become perfect, not that everything's going to go easy. Remember, he talks about the narrow road. The narrow road's hard. It's nerve-wracking. Sometimes you're like, I don't know if I can keep going, and, and there's roadblocks, and, and it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's a hard situation. It's a struggle. But it's all about that relationship. God promises to bring us through. And so this morning, I just want to give you the opportunity, and I don't know where everybody's at, and you know, all I know is about myself. I don't know, you know, I don't know anybody else. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray, just a quick prayer, and, and we'll all bow our heads and, you know, and, and pray along. You know, if you're not 100%, 99%, it's not good enough. God says all we have to do is ask. And it's not some certain amount of magical words, or, and it has nothing to do with me. I'm not in it. Right, it's just between you and God. You don't got to say it out loud because God knows your every thought. It's just between you and God. So if everybody would, would bow their heads If you don't know 100% that you truly have that relationship with God, if you don't know 100% that you are not one of those people on that day who say, Lord, Lord, look at all this good stuff I've done. The Bible says we got to get right with God. If you don't know if you've given 100% or, or every part of your life over to Jesus, I'd encourage you to pray something, something like this. God, I love you, and I know that you love me, and you don't have to love me, but you do more than I could ever imagine. I know that you, you sent your son, and you came here to, to die for me, and, and you poured out the wrath that you had to give, that you owed me on yourself. You took that. 
because you're a perfectly just and perfectly holy God that you have to punish sin. You cannot be with sin, and that's the right thing for you to do, but you punished yourself instead of me. God, I ask you into my, into my life. I want you to be a part of my life, and I want to surrender my entire life to you. I'm tired of doing life on my own. God, my life is yours. And I want that relationship with you. And God, I thank you for allowing me the opportunity to have that relationship with you, something you don't have to do, something that you do not owe us, and there's nothing that I could ever do to repay you for that. There's not an amount of good things I could do to repay you for that. God, I thank you, and I want to surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.